Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with, especially the five people that I started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Avon Tobo, Los Vatos edition of Cofield and Company. For those who are just joining us, got on an hour early today to make way for the national championship game between San Diego State and UConn. Pre-game will get started at 4.30 p.m. here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. The voice you hear, Caitlin Clark, post-game on um, Angel Reese's can't-see-me gesture after LSU took down Iowa. The, uh, the betting darling, by the way, the Hawkeyes. Market moved really strongly in favor of Iowa. Up to three and a half. Never really got close to uh, getting that thing against the Tigers. But, of course, we're not talking about basketball, Willie. We're not talking. I can see you. I can see you. Willie's doing the, you can't see me thing. So, of course, this is becoming a thing. For those who did not see it throughout the game, you know, Angel Reese near the end did the, as you mentioned, right, as you did it, the you can't see me or can't see me gesture, the John Cena thing, um, in Caitlin Clark's direction. We'll get to why she did it in a moment. And at the end of the game, as time was running out, Made it a point to point to her ring finger, as champions often do during champion games, signifying that she was about to win a ring. And of course, we got to get mad at this, right, Willie? Everybody is up in arms because sportsmanship, it's sacred. You can't do these things. I want to start there because guess what? Sportsmanship, and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not. We haven't really talked about this. We didn't even share that many notes. Is an overrated concept and value. It is dumb. Okay? These are high-level athletes playing near the peak of their sport, because the next level would be the WNBA, for a national championship game. Adrenaline is running. And by the way, you're doing all of these things, as I'm doing them again, to a player in Caitlin Clark who has gotten popular for two reasons. One, her basketball play is fantastic. Two, because she does those things on the court. I am amazed at everything surrounding this story. The fact that people continue to act like sports at these levels is like some rainbow youth soccer league that's out here that I take my kid to on Wednesdays, right? It's not. And the fact that we're just ignoring what Caitlin Clark is doing, and by the way, what I love Caitlin Clark for personally, she's an ish talker, and it's awesome because she backs it up. I'm amazed that we're here as part of the discourse after that game. Um, Do you know who Jamira is? Never heard of her? Didn't, it wasn't all over your timeline? No. Nothing? Name does not sound familiar. Wow. Nice. Amazing that all of you clamoring and tweeting about Angel Reese. Did you tweet about Jamira Shoots? Because she was the one that was walking through the line, the Memphis guard, oh, yeah. and punched a Bowling Green player and dropped her. Anyone tweet about that? Or are we just going to tweet about winning a national championship and doing the John Cena thing and pointing to a ring finger right after doing that in the same one whole motion to someone who, as JVT mentioned, has been doing it all tournament long? But yet, yes, don't get me wrong, it was a news story. They did investigate whether to prosecute and charge. Um, And let's not not forget about... uh, I can't, her name escapes me right now, but the, the, the girl who uh, 
Get that for me, Ari. The girl who who uh, who pulled Haley Van Lith in and said something to her, and they had words in the line, oh, yeah, yeah. which wasn't out of line. The only thing that I've seen wrong in the women's tournament is someone getting punched when you're going through the sh- uh, the handshake line. Other than that, I mean, we encourage the faceoffs at boxing and MMA, and I get it; these are violent sports, so yeah, they're supposed to be talking crap, but. We watched the game. You and I watched the game together sitting next to one another where a young man hit a shot with seven seconds left from half court and he turned around and yelled, this is my city. Turn around in front of the opposing bench. Well, he, didn't, he didn't follow them around, Will. He didn't point oh, his finger. Oh, 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 what, yeah. you, what do you got? Uh, Texas guard Sonia Morris. That's it. There you go. Sonia Morris pulled oh. Haley Valley and had something to say about her. So there's 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 obviously a lot that I think there's a lot of different topics that come from this, right? And And I do want to emphasize here's the thing. Like, what drives me nuts is, and this is why you get these topics, okay? Like you mentioned, Caitlin Clark, when she's burying Louisville, okay? And she's doing the you can't see me. And, by the way, for those who are, because what I've gotten back on Twitter is, well, she was following her around. Well, guess what? When Caitlin Clark did the you can't see me, she looked at the girl that she was, to, was guarding her and did it to her. She was walking her back. Face. Right. She, she was walking back to the bench during a, uh, right. a, 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 during a timeout. There was still a game to be played. The, the And again, I want to emphasize, too, I love this about Caitlin Clark. It is fantastic. Right. Or in the middle of a game, pulling a Draymond versus Russell Westbrook, where the girl is at the top of the key and Caitlin Clark disrespectfully and dismissively waves her off in the middle of the game yeah. because she's not worth guarding. Right. Right? Yes. Those are awesome. But you, and I'm talking about just like anybody who thinks that this was disrespectful or is crying sportsmanship – you cannot celebrate Caitlin Clark for the things that she did while destroying Angel Reese for what she did after that game. And this is where you get into, Willie, because the people got immediately upset. You want to know why? Because, and this is what happens, immediately it's brought up, and rightfully so, is there a main difference between Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark? Is there a big difference between them? Yes, there is. One is a black woman, one is a white woman. And the white woman is being lauded for her competitiveness and grit. But the other girl, the black woman, is being, you can't do that, sportsmanship. That's why you get these conversations. So you can't do that and go, why we got to talk about race? Because this is what happens. And after the game, Angel Reese even brought this up because this was a point for this LSU team throughout the season, and she even said it afterwards. When other people do it, you say nothing. I'm, I'm happy. I mean... All year, I was critiqued about who I was. Nobody, I don't, yeah, yeah, the narrative, I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood, I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me, that's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. She followed up today on... Um and, um, with uh, Malika, Andrews. Malika Andrews. Malika yeah. Andrews. I don't know why her last name escaped me. Um, but she was on today. And she said, quote, I want to take down that role of being the black woman that's going to stand up for the girls that may not have a voice. I don't care what anybody has to say about me. I love who I am. I'm authentically me. I love when women's basketball players say that specifically. Asia Wilson said it. Um, I've heard Kayla McBride talk about it. But in terms of 
centralizing and saying, I want to be there for, or as, as Angel said in the press conference, girls who look like me. They're saying, resemble me. They're saying bl- little black girls. Because, yes, in 2023, we still have racism. Yes, there are still stereotypes that are being thrust upon these young athletes. And when they can see and, and use someone as a role model that it is okay to be unapologetically competitive and do the exact same thing that other – and it's funny because you said, what do we see? Are there glaring differences? I, for me, I don't. I know and I understand what you're saying, but for someone who got his career started for the first seven years – at the state's only black newspaper, I see two women's basketball players. That's what I see. Two, and I even tweeted out, one's a sophomore, the other is a junior. We need this rivalry to carry over to next year out of college and into the WNBA. Can you imagine, Not to, I'm not likening them or comparing them talent-wise, but can you imagine a rivalry like this going into the WNBA for years, but Magic Johnson and Larry Bird? Uh, a, a great black basketball player, a great white basketball player that competed for the national championship, right? Michigan State, Indiana State, and then carried on Lakers and Celtics. Not because of black and white, but I'm just saying that's what we're talking about in 2023. Uh, I'm not trying to make that the competition, but the rivalry itself in college basketball, women's college basketball, I think it would be fantastic and this is just the tipping point kudos to you angel reese yeah and i also it's funny because i was just talking about this the other day it does come back to i got i got somebody on twitter who hit me with uh the fact that you think sportsmanship doesn't matter makes me think that you don't play sports or didn't play sports and i I wanted to respond with the fact that you think sportsmanship is so important makes me think you didn't play sports right you know why like we're going to talk with rich ornberger's going to come up with us in a couple of minutes you think while the, he was he was rustling around in the trenches, you think somebody probably leaned in and was like, you motherfucker. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was probably so much being exchanged. This is sports at a high level. This is what happens. Yeah, do you think Stop to- making it some kumbaya nonsense. I love these sort of things. Sportsmanship is dumb, and we use it to make sure we put these athletes in these boxes. We got to, you got to act the way I need you to act. Right. No, that's not the way this thing works. There's, it is ridiculous. Do you think that Hurley or Dutcher will be in the locker room beforehand? Two defensive, physical, nasty teams going, guys, don't forget where we blah, blah, blah. But be nice. Right. There's a reason that the hockey players do not shake hands until the end of a playoff series. That's the that's a, the the fighting, the hits, the everything that's involved in hockey. But at the end of the entire series, and that's when your sportsmanship comes out. Also, they shouldn't shake hands anyway. I think that's dumb, right? But, but I'm just saying. But that's what I mean. There's sportsmanship. We'll see it after everything's said and done. Sportsmanship is. I'm not trying to hurt you while we're playing. That's sportsmanship, right? right? Yeah. That's sportsmanship. I'm not going to play dirty. I don't need to shake your hand afterwards. We don't need to pretend. And as I tweeted out earlier today, as I found Steph Curry pointing at his ring finger in the middle of a game, as I found Joe Burrow slapping his ring finger in the middle of a national championship right. game, as we saw Aaron Donald pointing to his ring finger after he stopped a play on fourth down to win a Super Bowl. Enough. As we, as we see viral on TikTok and, and Reels, how many times – when Michael Jordan was grooming a young Kobe Bryant, he said, don't, don't forget now, I got six. You got two right now. Don't. At the time, that viral video, was it was an all-star game. Remember, he goes, huh? he goes, that's a foul. He goes, ha, ha, I get that. I got six. It's actually a great point, too. Sportsmanship. Michael Jordan 
was a complete and utter D to the people that he played against. Yeah, and, and, and Bird was worse. <laughs> right. The mo- one of the more iconic NBA moments that we all love is Ty Lue getting stepped over right. in the middle of a game. Yes. That's, that's a sportsmanship. Right. But we pick and choose these moments because we got to get mad. Like or it's- the the uh, the uh, which one was it? Was it the baseline where or when Michael Jordan comes in and then and then the cameraman catches him and he just stands over and he's just pointing and taunting. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's what that was yesterday. That's all that was. So 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 now, it's not a matter of uh, being unsportsmanlike. That was just a taunt. But that's part of sports. Taunting is part of sports. I don't care what you say. If you want to give her a t- I, I also get a kick out of it because that was the end of the game. They were up by double digits. Everyone's going, should they have given her a tech? Okay, you want to give her a tech? Sure. Okay, what are they going to do? Go get a couple and lose by a couple or less? Big deal. We're going to stick with basketball. We're going to Let's ask Rich Hornberger about this. Host San Diego Sports going to be with us. Former NFLer as well. We'll get his thoughts on the thought of sportsmanship. And also, what's just going down in San Diego? Because, what's up? You got something? What do you got? No. Why are you doing weird hand signals and stopping? I, I was gonna I was gonna give I was gonna give you a one liner and you'd have already send us out. But oh, that's you, okay. Go ahead. Throw my mojo. Yeah, no, go R- ahead. Bro. I'm listening to you. He joins us next. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Field and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Kevin Kugler on the call for Westwood One. We've been kind of playing all the different calls throughout. We're actually going to have a Ken Levick's call for FAU, the other side of it, coming up in a little bit. But a good call. The Butler did it. You'll love it. Let's head out to San Diego. Rich Ornberger's with us, host San Diego Sports 760, also former NFL lineman who's nice enough to give us some time here today. Rich, we appreciate it. Uh, before we get to San Diego State, though, I kind of wanted to bring in a conversation we were just having before we had you on about sportsmanship. And for those who did not remember or did not see it, we're talking about what happened near the end of the Women's National Championship game with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and the pointing to the finger and, you know, the you-can't-see-me gesture. And my whole thing, and I'm going to open a can of worms because I like bringing these things up because you might wholeheartedly disagree with me as a former professional athlete. But I think our concept of sportsmanship is dumb. This kumbaya, shake hands, everybody's got to be nice to each other. I'm like, I, I think sportsmanship should be you athletes, you agree, we're not playing any dirty. We're not doing this to hurt each other. We're out here to play a game. We're going to get ultra competitive. Like, I feel like we just think athletes should perform so perfectly in the heat of the moment. It's ridiculous to expect this of these athletes. I completely agree with your thoughts on this. And I saw the, uh, the blowback that, um, occurred following the national championship game. I, I mean, I thought it was warranted. Yes. <laughs> and I bet you if you interviewed Caitlin Clark instead of me today, she would tell you the same thing. I mean, this is war. And I don't care if it's women's basketball or if it's NFL or UFC or you know whether you're watching a women's UFC fight, a men's UFC fight, whether it's college men's basketball or curling. Like, when you're in the heat of competition – you lose yourself a little bit. You go to this different place, and i got to be honest with you, I miss it. I miss it so much. I miss the lawlessness that I felt when I was playing football. I felt like I could do anything I wanted, and 
I wasn't governed by the rules that sort of shackle you to the rest of society for three hours. Yeah. I got to beat people up for a living, and they paid me well to do it. It was awesome, you know. And look, you know, now I'm a radio show host, and so uh, I'm and I'm very happy doing this because also I don't get beat up anymore, and that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good thing because I don't think I could handle it anymore. So- but when you're an athlete and you're in that place, it's a special place to be. And if you're the type of athlete who's going to dish it, but you're not going to take it, um, you know, you're too soft. And, and so I, I love the fact that as sore of a winner as some people thought Caitlin Clark was because she was incredible, or uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now because uh, I, I really started admiring her work in that national championship game, but the girl who sort of returned fire on the uh, Angel, Angel Reese. Angel Reese. Angel Reese. Yeah. I thought Reese. I mean that that was that was cool, man. I thought it was great. I thought I. You know what? In fact, there's almost an argument I could make. You know, from the other side of the the, the line of this, that I mean, that's sportsmanship. Like, <laughs> like if you're gonna dole it out, let let's test you. Let's see if you could take it. You know, I mean, I guess I'm bastardizing the the definition there by using it that way. But you get my point. Like, that's a part of sports. As much a part of sports as anything. Yes, is is that competitive fire. And if you take that away, you are defanging sport. You are making it sterile. You are taking away the emotion that makes sports special. So I loved it. I loved every second of it. And, and I, I, like to, I, just, I like to see it. Mm. So, you know, I, I mean, look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's my opinion. Good. I'm glad to hear it because you agree with me. Uh, also, you know, I'm surprised. I, I thought every time you guys lined up in the NFL, the guy across him was just like, you know, Rich, I, I hope you have a really good game, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, there, were, there were some moments like that, which were – those were the fewer and farther between moments, but they were almost more jarring than the guy who's, yeah. like, drooling and shouting about your sister or something. You know, those, those were more normal interactions. It was the guy who, you know, did the old Andrew Luck, like, patted you on the butt and were like, hey, nice hit. Like, that stuff was like, what? You know, that was more jarring, but – um. But yeah, man, it, it's uh, you just turn into a different person when you're out on your field of play. Yeah, and I'm reading your Wikipedia page it says that you had a reputation of being a class clown and a prankster, and with that has to come that somewhat gamesmanship and um, that spunky sort of personality. And when you're on the offensive line or defensive line, and there's a fumble, there's no sportsmanship at the bottom of the pile when everyone's going for the ball. There's fingers being pulled and yanked and eyes being gouged, from my understanding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can get pretty, pretty awful when you're, especially when you're low on the pile. Um, you, you know what's actually something funny that I love to do that people absolutely hated. Sometimes even teammates hated. Was I would love to like spoil the end of movies. Like I would be out there sometimes being like, "Yeah, listen, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time in the Sixth Sense. I just wanted you, if you haven't seen that one, you know." Just, just letting nice. you know, quick heads up there. Nice. You know, like whatever. I mean, whatever you can do to just <laughs> get in their head, sort of. Yeah, take yeah. someone out of the moment. Nice. But I mean, yeah, like the viciousness of the NFL or college football, for that matter. I mean, you know, it's well documented, and everybody mixes it up. All right, so let's get to the let's get to the big reason why we have you on, uh, Rich Ornberger, host of San Diego Sports Seven Sixty. 
He is covering the national championship. Got to be a very cool atmosphere. I have one who has been personally enamored by the Final Four. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, and we should all appreciate the fact that we're talking about four teams that nobody expected to be there rather than four traditional teams. What's it been like um, this weekend in Houston? Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, Houston has been nuts. Um, I... I'm not in Houston currently, but we oh. sent um, a bunch of our a bunch of our compatriots there uh, to cover the the Final Four and the national championship, uh, including Ted Leitner, the voice of the Aztecs. Obviously, he'll be on site. We interviewed him earlier today, and what he expressed this morning, and what John Schaefer, our pregame halftime postgame host, expressed uh, this morning when we spoke to him and texted with him was you got this large contingent of Aztec fans out there, like a little bit shockingly so. Like, now, I don't know if they're all, you know, native Houstonians or transplants from San Diego uh, or people who, you know, bought the gear uh, while they were on site, kind of taking in the scene and just picked the team, you know, or if it's, it's really that, that well of a traveled path, a beaten path to the Final Four because it's the first time in program history but the way it was described to me was that arena was almost 80% Aztecs fans against FAU, which, I mean, that's shocking. If that's a representative count, that's shocking. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like for UConn. Obviously, that's a, a blue blood and a much larger fan base from, you know, just the familiarity people have with them. But, um, but yeah, I, I'll say this about the whole experience covering this, this tournament run that the Aztecs have had, they keep doing what they did during the, the conference schedule. They yep. just keep persevering. Like, there were so many games where they were trailing by big deficits throughout their, their conference schedule out of the Mountain West, and we were thinking, like, oh, man, this would be a real bad loss if San Diego State gets beat by, you know, you name it, New Mexico, Colorado State. This ain't going to help them. And they found a way to pull through, and they would hit shots when they needed to. They would tune up the defense at halftime. They would find a way to out-rebound the team, out-hustle the team, and, and get the win. And that's what we've seen, that same level of grittiness in the Final Four against FAU in the Sweet 16, especially against Alabama. So, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the term, because this is what I wanted to bring up with you, Rich, which was blue blood, right? A lot of people keep talking about, hey, you know, these Final Four teams weren't the ones that we expected. There's not a lot of blue blood programs in there. Maybe we can think UConn. I've been making the argument, Rich, and I wonder if you get this sense from your listeners at all. I think San Diego State is a blue blood program, especially for people who watch West Coast hoops. And people out here in Las Vegas might not like to hear it because San Diego State has, I think, a million key offensive rebounds and like four-point games against them, right? Because that's exactly what they do. But like the, the thought of San Diego State kind of being like this, ah, this little engine that could, I feel like that's insulting to what the program has been. Back in 2020, this was going to be either a top two seed or maybe a low tier one seed. Like, I, this is a blue blood program. I think we should stop with this nonsense, right? Like, this is a storied and really good history when it comes to San Diego State basketball. Well, when, when you trace it back to the Fab Five and you think about where Steve Fisher came from before taking over the San Diego State program, I mean, he had and will always have this enduring legacy that he, he rebuilt in San Diego after the unceremonious uh, uh, situation leaving Michigan with the Fab Five and all that. 
Um, he comes to San Diego State. He loves to tell this story, and I'll probably butcher it retelling it to you guys, but he tells it so well where, I mean, he was standing on one street corner when he first came to this basketball program and just giving away free tickets to anybody who would take him, students on campus, whatever. And he realized, ah, geez, you know, I'm just standing on the wrong side of the intersection. I should walk over to that corner. So he crosses the crosswalk, and he realized every single ticket that he had handed out on the one corner, people were just putting in the trash bin on the opposite corner. Like, he couldn't give away tickets to see this, to see this team play. And then through recruiting and the culture that he and Brian Dutcher built together, uh, and then obviously when he handed the program over to Brian Dutcher, since he was on the bench for 18 seasons with Steve Fisher, he followed in the footsteps. And the past six seasons, he's really even elevated the program, you could argue, using the transfer portal and, you know, obviously having his players kind of run the ship. You know, Brian Dutcher is famous for saying, like, you know, I don't want a team ran by coaches. I want to hand the team over to the players at some point. I want them to take ownership. I want this to be a player-ran program because when there's ownership and accountability, you know, you can't coach your way out of a win. Let the players go win. You know, let the coaches coach at practice. Let the players go win games. And I think that's a great, great way that they've uh, built this culture. And then to your point, Blue Blood, look, I don't get too caught up in the semantics and the, you know, the labeling of things. People like to designate a Blue Blood program as a program, whatever. That's one national title, so Kentucky, UNC, UConn, especially, you know, since the late 90s into the 2000s, UCLA, Duke. You know, those are Blue Bloods, fine. No one includes San Diego State, that's fine. But don't sleep on a program that's had the sort of success is simmering in the background for a while because that's exactly what it's been. And that pandemic year where they missed out on the tournament because the tournament was canceled, I mean, they were the last remaining undefeated team in Division One hoops. I mean, had that team gone to the tournament, they, made a, they may have made a run to the national title that year too. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, this isn't, this isn't a you know, sneak-up-out-of-nowhere situation. They've been good for a while. Rich Ronberger again, San Diego Sports 760. Rich, we are up against it, but I appreciate some time today, man. Thank you very much, and uh, enjoy the game tonight, man. I'm pretty sure from a media perspective it's been pretty cool. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I cannot wait to watch, guys. Thank you so much. John Willie, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, you got it, man. Again, Rich Ronberger, San Diego Sports 760. All right, let's take our break here. Uh, when we come back, get a little bit more into some of the Raiders talk. We talked about Will Levis coming in for a visit. Well, we heard a little bit from Mark Davis about his desires for this Las Vegas Raiders defense, and i got to tell you, if this is what he desires, I don't know what the team's doing. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. I think he's the best player in the draft class, but we've all seen the type of pre-draft process that he's had. He's got his off-the-field stuff resolved as far as with the misdemeanors and getting that settled, which is great for him ahead of the draft. It's just how is he going to be on the next level, um, and then what type of player exactly are you getting? You're listening to Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed on Jalen Carter. Georgia defensive tackle, of course, coming out in this year's NFL draft and at one point was thought to be – actually, he still is thought to be the best defensive prospect. It's just off-the-field issues have cut his stock. 
it's pretty interesting what Jalen Carter has actually decided to do here, or his agent has decided to do. We got this report uh, either late yesterday or early today. But apparently Carter he was visiting the Bears, but he's not going to visit teams without a top 10 draft pick, according to reports. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported that on Monday, cited Carter's agent Drew Rosenhaus. I don't know. I am not a uh, top NFL prospect, although an NFL player just did agree with me, so I'm kind of ready for the NFL. Um, this seems like an odd tact to take when your client just posted a $4,000 bond like a month ago because of an incident that he was involved with that involved the loss of life. And the other part, Willie, again, I'm not an agent, so look, there's probably a sense to this that I would never really understand, but teams can trade into the top 10. Why like that's why would you just refuse to meet with teams that don't have a top ten pick? You're not exactly in a position to negotiate. Well, okay, so the Texans pick second, they also pick twelfth. Um I'm not sure who else has you know, but so you're telling me that if the Titans pick up the phone and call Drew out and say, Hey, look, we're really if if he if he if he's not gonna if he's gonna be around we were interested. They pick eleventh. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna. He's not gonna comply. They're not gonna be like, well, okay. Um, the Jets. This is a team that is supposed to be right an AFC East contender. Aaron Rodgers comes in. They pick thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick gets on the phone with Drew Rosenhaus and says, "Hey, I want to meet the kid." He picks fourteenth. Don't tell me that he voluntarily up front. Yes, we're not going one through. We're only going one through ten. Somebody picks up the phone and calls him, yeah. and it's of some significance. You're not going to tell me that he's not going. Well, so, in, in part of the report is, is that Rosenhaus has said that that he's open to arranging a pre-draft visit for Carter to a team that trades into the top ten. Mm. But also, I mean, it's like a chicken egg thing, right? But if I'm a team that's thinking about trading into the top ten for Carter, like I kind of want to meet him first. I'm not going to trade after and then meet him and be like, ah, oh, this guy's kind of a jackass. I'm out. <laughs> right? It, uh, it seems, I don't know, it, it seems like you're working against your own interests there. Yeah, and I'm just doing a quick scan. Three of the teams that pick between 11 through 20 also pick in the top 10. Mm. So, I mean, that would be Seattle, Detroit, and Houston. Mm. But, like I said, the Jets pick up the phone. Bill Belichick picks up the phone. Mike Tomlin gets on the phone and calls Drew Rosenhaus. Now, I don't know how long this kid's going to last. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to last past number ten. So I get it, but just to put that out there, the way he's saying it, and it could also be a statement like, "Hey, we're putting this thing behind us, and so should all of you." I guess. I don't think you really get to decide that though. If you're somebody well, who's in the situation that you're in, no, not when someone died. Right, right. Like, two people like, died. Right. Well, and the, and the, you know, we just did get the uh, the body cam for the uh, you know body cam footage of the police officers was just released. And in the end, it doesn't really make him look that much better when he was denying the fact there at the, the incident that he was not racing and he actually didn't really look like he was a very good liar on top of that. Didn't sound like the officer really bought into it either, but it's just it's an odd tact to take given where Carter is. Now, a team that does pick inside the top 10 that has reportedly ruled them out, that would be our own Las Vegas Raiders. But it does tie into, I, I'm going to say your homie. I think he's your homie, right? Paul? Paul Gutierrez, you bet? Your, your yes. guy? Okay, yeah. your homie. Uh, Paul Gutierrez wrote a piece that I was reading. Headline, Raiders owner Mark Davis desires defensive progress, but has it occurred? I asked that same question, Paul, because, and you alluded to this when we talked about this in the first hour when with the Will Levis visit. 
So eight of the 16 outside free agents the Raiders have signed thus far are on defense. Correct, Willie? So they're adding bodies. Right. This is a team that was 28th in defensive EPA per play this last season. There's 32 teams. Yeah. I understand at certain like specific positions adding a bunch of bodies. The, the best example is the Buffalo Bills. The, the One of the first years for Josh Allen, their offensive line was terrible. So what they do, they signed a ton of offensive linemen to just throw bodies at it and see what would stick, and it ultimately resulted in actually somewhat decent offensive line. That's a singular position. Signing a bunch of bodies to a defense that was one of the worst in the National Football League, are we really going to see this defensive progress? I'm just – I'm kind of amazed – that like this is the tack we're taking. Like, all right, cool. We're, we're through the first wave of free agency. We signed eight guys. Let's roll. And McDaniels has a quote in the story from uh, from Paul has a quote from McDaniels talking about how, hey, you know what? Maybe these guys you know, can get better in another year in this defense. Yeah, but from twenty eighth to what? Yeah, I just feel like you're you're not really like what is your goal next year, right? If you're not going to really make some solid strides to. Take a like a solid step forward defensively. Well, here's the thing. I don't I still don't believe that the Raiders, meaning McDaniel, Ziegler, and um Davis, I don't think that they thought that they would be in this position this year. I thought I think that they envisioned an entirely different outcome. Obviously, they wanted success, and everybody thought that, you know, you bring in Devontae Adams, um, you somewhat bolster the defense. You didn't really build it up. The offensive line was the biggest question mark, and let's say, let's call it what it is. They 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 were an improvement, and they did play their asses off. Right. Um, so I think that they're sort of scrambling with everything that they're doing this offseason because they didn't expect to be in the position that they're in. So you have to make the right move. And I and, and we talked about this at the top when we, when you mentioned Will Levis was coming to visit or is here. Um, they really do have to knock it out of the park on the whole, regardless of the round. Number seven pick in the first round. You know what? With this draft and this staff, it's just as important as the fourth round draft pick and the seventh round draft pick based on how crappy the previous regime drafted. So, I'd have to say that I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't know what they're thinking. And I don't know what their mindset is. I just know what with what I see as a reporter and being out there and covering the team and going to the facility, starting in May and OTAs all the way through, where they need help. Yeah. Now, I'm not a GM. I'm not a coach, and I'm not in there calling the plays. I just know what I see and what's not working. And then you de- and then you delve into the analytics, and it tells a lot. Um, that said, I think that this staff really, it, this is a pressure situation. This draft means a lot. And I think that Davis has made that point to be made. You better make the right decision. 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100. Got two tickets for you. Burt Kreischer, fully loaded world tour. Wednesday, July 12th, T-Mobile Arena. Lucky, man. I'm actually a big Burt Kreischer fan. like the podcast and everything. Caller number 7, 364-1100, 364-1100. Give Ari a call. Two tickets to see Burt Kreischer this summer. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. <laughs> Mensa has it with seven seconds left now. Baller on the near side with five with four. Baller inside out dribble. Got to the right baseline with two with one. Baller jumper for the win and he made it. And San Diego State is going to the national championship game. Baller got 
now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. You know, I've gotten the honor of um, getting to talk to Ken Levicka the last couple of weekends over at VEASAN. Had him on as a guest. Mm-hmm. Good radio guy. So you like that because the trick when you're on the losing end of it as a radio guy is to still give the energy. You can hear the disappointment through the energy with Ken there in that call. That's a good call. I've had the honor of being in your presence twice now in the last three times in the last couple of weeks. That's right. Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Now on this show, tomorrow, I may have to, I don't know, I may have to have Ari take a picture, send it to me, print it out, bring it, and have you sign it. I will refuse to do that. Great. I've been asked one time in my life to take a picture, like like fandom-wise, and it was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. Well, I was honored. It would just be a marking shot, like of us right here, like we would do honored. to promote. I was honored. Yeah, and then. The guy was super nice, but I was like, are you sure? You want a picture of me? Super nice dude. Michael, thanks for uh, calling in. And one of the tickets, got to go see, you get to get to go see, Bert Kreischer. We appreciate you listening, as every single one of you. But this is where it's going to get dark. Oh, man. Well, I wanted to open this up for... Let me get my chair. Not like, I know you hated the airing of grievances to the point where you drove out your way to come in that day. <laughs> but, like, it, this isn't going to be an airing of grievances of sort. Because I feel like there's a couple of things we can complain about here. I am, I will say... I'm not going to complain about it, but I think people will. Maybe you. You're kind of old. I'm I am, old, I'm I am surprised old. that they're starting the national championship game this late. 6.20 p.m. It, it on the a, West Coast. Yeah. Right? Like that's When I saw that, so one, selfishly, I'm excited because my kids go to bed at like 7, and I've gotten the uh, you go out and do whatever you want pass. So I'm going to go watch the game, but like. Where are you going? I'm, oh, I don't want to tell the people. Tell you when I'm off the air, but I don't want to tell the people. You're going to have some libations? Of course. I'm going to stay home and probably smoke a backwood. I mean, I was going to ask a question. I don't know if I want With tobacco in it? No. Okay. Backwood with weed in it. It's legal, and we're allowed to. Well, I, don't I, mean, know what you, I don't know what you're like. I don't know what you want your your persona to be. Your what persona? persona? You're going out and drinking at a, cl- at a bar somewhere, and then you're going to get in your car and drive home. So hopefully you're going to well, be I mean, smart not, about it. I'm going to go into privacy of my home. I'm going to grill up some food, and I'm going to smoke some weed. See how Maddie's getting, Ari? Like, well, no, I'm him. just saying. It's just like, we're, it, right. that, it just, it just, it just, not you, but it just it, it amazes me sometimes that people are so taboo or still standoffish about talking about it. Well, we got dispensaries up and down southern Nevada. I'm going home to privacy of my home. I'm going to smoke some weed. Who gives a crap? Whoa, relax. We just had this conversation off the air, too. Okay, so let's go. Here I go. mean, look, I mean, you, I already just started you up and let you go. You're mad. Fired up. I'm fired up. You're really mad. So I was surprised at the late start time. And also, I don't appreciate the allegations. I'm going to have like one or two libations. I got to wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. All right. This is ridiculous. I know something. I mean, I just started you up and got you going. Yeah. The other thing that you were mad about when we were exchanging pre game notes, mm-hmm. and this is the other story, and this is what makes what happened yesterday somewhat unfortunate. You had a great narrative in Caitlin Clark going up against a really good LSU basketball team. That LSU basketball team whipped Iowa up and down the court. But the conversations were about two things. It was the Angel Reese celebration afterwards Mm. and the officiating. Not a fan? It was bad because there were two things. I I think that 
if you're going to call a technical foul on Caitlin Clark for her throwing the ball, I get it. For those, can we set it up really quickly yeah. for our listeners who did yeah. not see yeah. it? Yeah. It's near the end of the game. Caitlin Clark has the ball. She's standing with her back to the baseline, and she flips the ball behind her. Yeah. I believe she thought there was official behind her, and so she just got the ball and flipped it back, thinking that there was an official standing on the baseline to just give them the ball. I don't. And, and she was immediately called for a technical. Yeah, no. Well, she was called. They the 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 official explained afterwards. The the actual official that called it did. There, it's not like they have a pool reporter like we have in the NFL where there's controversial calls or and the they NBA, meet with the, right, the yeah. Okay, so she said that. Um, you know, in in a sense, it, there was already a warning given to Iowa about a delay of game. There's already had been given one. So when she whipped it, now the thing is, and she whipped it good. There was a. There was already a whistle. There was downtime. It was not going to be a delay of game. It's not like someone was waiting on the baseline to inbounds the ball. And she was, it's not like she whipped it too far. But if you're going to call that, and it's mandatory that if you put your hands on an official, why was Kim Mulkey not called for a technical and making contact with the official not once, but two times? Or standing on the court? Oh, that one, forget about that one. I mean, she lived on the court. I couldn't believe that. I was, I, that was the one that I said <laughs> before was, they, before the contact. I was like, "How long is she going to be on this court?" I thought she was. They were playing six on five like uh, every she was, time. She was, she was an extra she, player. At one point, she was standing next to the ref. It was, it was ridiculous. And we should also point out, it's not just those moments. A lot of people are complaining. You know, it's funny at the end of the game. Um, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark were the center of the story. They were both in foul trouble in the first half. Yeah, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark got her third foul like two and a half, three minutes left in the first half. Yeah, and didn't even get to play the rest of the first half there, and that was a big reason why they that and otherworldly shooting from LSU in that game, yeah. why they got knocked out of it. But it was it was a relative. I would I would say it was a poorly officiated game. If if not poorly officiated, inconsistently officiated. It was. It was. We'll call it that. It was. It was a. It was a. You know. It was a, if you were grading the officials, they would get a low grade. You know how they do the Monday morning quarterback. A lot of the reporters yeah. different. They'll do you know the grades, mm-hmm. special teams, offense. This is if you were to grade the national championship in women's basketball, the refs would not get a, a, oh, a favorable grade. There's a great Twitter account that it's uh, after every baseball game, it's umpire review, oh, and yeah. so they judge their strike zones and call accuracy. It's, it's an awesome, awesome Twitter account. I wish we had that for these officials at every level. They should get it. They should be held accountable. I don't want to do this. The NBA is my baby. I refuse to expect, accept any slander here. You have to do it. I, Are I, you, and, I, and I've had this on my road. I've sent this topic in all week last week. I was on the show four times last week and, I, and, and did a watch party. I, I threw it out there. Steve didn't even want to put it on. Well, it's low-hanging fruit. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, the report is, is that uh, the Mavericks, who are a game out of the play-in with about three left to play, are thinking about uh, resting, sitting, ending the seasons of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. There is some context that, one, it's very unlikely that they're going to get into the play-in. And two, they have a pick that is top 10 protected, that if they can finish in the top 10, if they can get a top 10 pick, they can keep their pick. And if it doesn't, it goes to the New York Knicks. They want a top 10 pick so that they can maybe use it to trade, do whatever, but that's the other motivation. We'll draft capital. Right. Well, it's it's obviously an experiment that I that didn't work or hasn't worked yet. Typical NBA. I don't know if it's fair to say and just thrust it on and go, well, it didn't work. And Kyrie, you know, comes in and da da da. Let's wait before we judge if he's gonna settle in and stay there because 
first of all, the Mavericks have depend. This has been a team you've written this how many times? It depends on Luka Doncic. It's it's him and a supporting cast, if that. But with these two, they're going to need more time to meld that chemistry. From the Finland Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Pulled down by Mensa. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scores on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Four o'clock hour, John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield, Willie Ramirez alongside Von Tobel y Los Vatos are here with you. We actually got started an hour early today. We are stepping aside for 34 national championship coverage for San Diego State and UConn. I'm fired up. I can't wait. Although Willie did accuse me of being a drunkard, we'll be going out and having a just a fine and safe time later tonight. I don't appreciate the accusations that were lobbied at me about 10 minutes ago in a fit of rage. It was about seven minutes ago. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. You know, this country's going downhill. Something just came across the wire, as we'll say. Jill Biden. Don't get me started, huh? Oh, boy. Headline. Jill Biden wants national champ LSU and runner-up Iowa to come to the White House. What? What are we doing? Okay. Right, I am Jill, not does it drop the sportsmanship, Jill. Right. Okay. First off, it's no ties participation in, trophies. Ties in wonderfully with what we talked about earlier in the show, which is sportsmanship is bunk. I had a former NFL lineman come in and corroborate that theory, so I'm 100% right. If you think otherwise, you're all wrong. That's just fact, I think at this point right now. We get this sometimes where I'm going to I'm going to make an accusation of Jill Biden. Doesn't involve laptops. I'm just going to say that I don't think Joe Biden's the biggest sports fan, right? So for her to watch that game and be like, I want Iowa to come too. The quote from Joe Biden. I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But, you know, I'm going to tell Joe Biden. I don't know if you knew that. I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. They lost. They lost. They don't deserve to come. And you know they what? are losers. And you know what? They didn't play a game. So whoever runs her press and media and spokesperson, whoever, uh, I, I want to say, I, I'm looking it up as I'm talking, uh, the, Vanessa Valdivia has been tapped as Jill Biden's new press secretary. Fire. Her, her, her communications director. If this is you, Vanessa, you are wrong. Don't put, first of all, Iowa didn't play a good game. Uh, they got smoked. They got smoked, and LSU uh, dominated them, number one. Number two, no, 
the winners, uh, the champions of all sports are the only ones that have ever been invited, and that's the way it should stay. Let's. Caitlin Clark is not even offended. More people well, out there are offended than Kay, Caitlin Clark was like, I didn't even see it. Here's the thing, too. Iowa, this is my – I know Iowa's listening to ESPN Las Vegas, everybody. Iowa Hawkeyes, Caitlin Clark, this message is for you. You better not accept this invitation. That's the other part about it. You better not accept that invitation. If that actually comes down. I want to I want a quoted tweet. If there's a tweet, I want a quoted tweet and it, with with a with the with a gift that just says, "Nah, we good." Right. Like if you're if you're the competitor that I think you are, Caitlin Clark, in fact, not only should you turn it down, you should be insulted by this invitation. Oh, we feel bad for the widow Iowa Hawkeyes. You come on over and you guys can come and you can celebrate too. No. Losers stay home. Winners go to the White House. Participation visits right. are not allowed. Number three. Sorry, I didn't mean to get political there. It's just, you know, it's what we do. I'm going to keep up this energy. Keep it up. Fire. What's with that? Th- no, okay. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Willie, I have not watched. Oh, this is going to tie. This is, there's a lot of things that go here. I've not watched that much XFL at all. In fact, I've probably watched like 17 consecutive seconds of it. Okay. I've, I haven't watched any of it. Okay, I've, I've been to all but one home game. Why? Honestly, once one I did a story. I, I actually covered for the Seattle Times, and the other one, um, rather than just sit around, sit at home, I went to support Sage. So he had some press in the press. That's box. good. Okay, good. My point. guy Sage Simmons. Sage Simmons works yeah. behind the scenes for yeah. the. Don't want to, you know. It's his bread and butter, so we don't want to. And, and they've had pocket. some, they've had media out there, so yeah. But but just to go out there, hang out with my boy Sage. Okay, they have been the Vipers getting a little flack, and I think deservedly so. And you sent this over, and I got to tell you, I'm not entirely surprised by this. Yeah, but I'm also I sent it over because I dis, this is a clickbait story. T- tell them what it is. Tell our audience what. Okay, it so is. well, let's start with the open the home opener. We get there, we look down. The the patches of grass, it's there's some dead. There's tracks going diagonal from one sideline to the other, covering rather you know from maybe like the 15 yard line on one side over to the 30 yard line. So it's diagonal, like it looks like they uh, a big heavy equipment vehicle had ruined it. So you could see the tr- the the tire tracks. So yes, without a doubt, it. At that moment, it's the worst field in the XFL. But on the whole... Right, which, by the way, we tell our audience, you're, we're referencing an article from OutKick. Yeah. Right, that said... Well, XFL I'm, I'm going to get to it. Okay. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Because we're being very vague about no, this. No, no, no. No, I'm, no, because I'm, I'm starting from the beginning in case anybody hadn't heard this they or seen this. They said their field stunk, Willie. Yeah. The Defend field, the honor yeah. of the Vipers. Right. The Cashman Field, as a whole, it's the only XFL team in the league that's not... Playing in a stadium, they're right. playing in a baseball in a soccer stadium. Now it was the baseball stadium. Um, I actually spoke to somebody this weekend. Gorman was on the block, to, but the problem wasn't the size and it wasn't the press box. The problem was that they would not be allowed to sell alcohol because it's a high. They had a problem with being able to sell at the concession stands alcohol. So it's the campus of God. I've been there. Yep, yeah. I went there. That's right. That's true. Yep, yeah. That's right. Right. Um, and you didn't Nothing go, nefarious you, ever happened. No, you went elsewhere to go have drinks, um, like you're going to do tonight. So, 
that's probably listening. I never did. I don't. I still don't like beer. No, I'm actually still a virgin. Yeah. Okay. That poor child. So anyway, I got two. How'd that <laughs> happen? Now, fast forward. Headline: Outkick. Worst field in XFL goes out with bang as terrible conditions on full display for likely final time. You know what? I was sitting there. It might have been the best that the fields looked. Where's the article that says right, but, it's improved? But that doesn't make this article untrue. But it wasn't. It can, there wasn't but, terrible conditions. But what I'm saying, it, but like it can be the worst field, but also still look the best that it has all season long. No, but it says as terrible conditions on full display. There wasn't really. It wasn't. wasn't bad. The field has improved, and the the, condi- the conditions were horrible the first week, and then it rained. It was rained, and it made it even worse. But it wasn't that bad. They're kind of dogging the field when. I don't know if this Grayson Weir is just trying to get some clicks or what, but it wasn't all that bad. Number two. You should have done this in a different order. I just realized this, but that's fine. By the way, you're going to have to hit number two in a minute. Okay. I'm, I'm scrolling through this. You wow. know the tweet that they, that they used? It really riled up in here. You know the tweet that they used? Yeah. Within the, from February 25th. Why are you so angry? Number two. Number two. Go. Ari doesn't hit the button unless I look at him and tell him to hit the button. That's right. And if you don't have your headphones on. You guys are both pushing my button. That's right. Where does Steve usually sit in this new setup? Here? Yeah. All right. That's why. I feel the power radiating through my bum. That's what's happening. I'm getting all Steve Cofield-like right now. Number two. Fiery leader. Much like Kim Mulkey. (laughs) Great. That was... That was good. So Mulkey does it. What'd you? How'd you put it? LSU wins. Mulkey does it. Uh, what? Two years in. Yep. Couldn't have happened to a better person, huh? Sure. Love celebrating the champions of the industry. In I'm sports. wondering if Brittany Griner called. Yeah, this is the thing. So Kim Mulkey doesn't really actually have the best reputation as like a human, right? Basketball coach, great A, awesome. There's a lot of people who disagree with the fact that she's like a great person. And you sent this over, and it's funny because I was going to include something like this, but this came up uh, about like three days ago or so that Kim Mulkey and Brittany Griner haven't spoken since her return to the United States. It also ties in with a story in which the media did ask Mulkey essentially like, hey, like, you're going to reach out, you're going to talk, and, you know, are you going to wish her anything? And probably, no. They well, were shut down immediately on the topic. Right. There are stories that come back, and I was reading an old article that ties in for Brittany Griner's perspective when she was at Baylor. Little stories here and there, being told not to come out, being forced to maybe. And I, I always say maybe, Willie, because I always say this. I stress this to my family, my wife, my children when they grow up. There are always two sides to a story. Right. So you never want to believe 100% of what anybody's telling you, especially when you read an article and it's clearly from one perspective. But from Brittany Griner's perspective, when you're forced to potentially wear long sleeves because you don't want to show off the tattoos because, God forbid, that happens. Right? I'll get fired up just like you were. Tattoos, it's 2000, whatever at that point. But Mulkey's not really the greatest like person, it seems. And so I always like these these moments, I always think are pretty fascinating when somebody like Mulkey achieves a milestone that is deemed to be worthy of celebration because it's an achievement in her field, which is right basketball. Right. I'm going to fire you up in a minute. But at the same time, you're like, eh, I don't really like you as a person. Somebody tweeted. She gets it done in two years. She wins her fourth title, blah, blah, blah. She's now taken over as the GOAT, the greatest ever. And I can't remember who tweeted or quoted it, but I know I took the original tweet and quoted it 
with a Donald Trump gift that just the one where he leans in and goes wrong. I mean, yeah. all due first of all, the person put Pat Summit and um, why am I not thinking who the uh, uh, Gino Oriema? Mm-hmm. You know ha, that basically Mulkey has surpassed. I was like, okay, first of all, you left Tara Vanderveer's name out of there because she's the all-time winningest coach now, and she has a title, right, or two. Uh, hello, no, Kim Mulkey is not the greatest col- women's college basketball coach of all time. No, you're wrong. I don't know why that would fire me up. I don't. I have. I have no thoughts on the the grand pecking order of the greatest women's basketball. Well, just the fact that someone all of a sudden because she won, now all of a sudden they're, they're referring to her as the goat. Uh, okay, okay, okay. She's not. She's not the goat. And that and that comes from a place of ignorance because I just don't know the history of all of them. So I would not. You know what? No, I'm actually going to do professional radio guy. I think that's outrageous. <laughs> uh, How can you say that? The press conference you're referring to was back in September. Yeah. Mulkey was criticized because she didn't offer any words of support or encouragement. And the wit, wit, how she did it, someone said, you know, said, well, we haven't heard you say anything. And she goes, and you won't. And then changed the subject. And the, yeah, changed and the subject. Was, it, just, it just went on. So the other day, someone asked about her, and she has a message. She said, I'm glad she's back. I'm glad she's safe. She's sound. I think everybody is. Number one. You know what else is back? You and I. Baseball, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you. So every year, look, I'm an Angels fan. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the year, every year, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So you love the end of the uh, World Baseball Classic. Oh, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm even it got, but see, that was kind of like a different moment, right? Because I enjoy baseball, and I'm obviously an Angels fan. So like Otani and Trout going at it, but that was kind of like a different little. Because even I told my wife, she's like, "Why are you like? What's going on?" Because she could see the excitement. And I explained to her like, "Well, it's World Baseball Classic, and Otani and Trout are about to go head to head for like the mo like for it." And she was like, really? And she even sat down. So, like, that was kind of a moment that was a little kids. bit bigger. Right. Well, they were asleep at that time. But that wake was a moment up. that was like bigger than baseball, right? Wake them up. That's right. Snowman. My one-year-old. Wake up. Yes. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Um, baseball's back. So, I have actually – I this is a field in which I have not spoken to you about very much. And just that I don't know what your baseball fandom and enjoyment is like. Do you like baseball? Do you enjoy it? Do you watch it? I. So, here's the thing. I do like baseball. I can't walk, I can't sit still long enough. To, it's it's either ADHD or just you know whatever or, or having so many things going at once. The sport used to be boring as hell. That might be it. No, I just can't sit there and watch sit and glued to a baseball game. It's not going to keep me compelled. Now maybe if I was covering one and I'm in person, but I did watch some baseball. Um, you know they obviously do the free preview. I don't buy the the package, but um, I tuned in on opening day. I was really, I was tuned in for that wild Rangers-Phillies game that, yeah. on, on opening day. Phillies right. go up 5 nothing, and then uh, I, I went to the bathroom. I came back, and it was 5-5. So that was crazy, and of course, I'll tune in, like especially with the Phillies are on, because I know Bryson Stott, and I like to watch the local kid, obviously. Um, Dodgers are my team, so I'll tune in to see the Dodgers, but for the most part, when I get home at night, Unless it's something major or big or a team I have to cover like that and I need to pay attention to, I'm not really going to – I'm, I'm kind of winding it down. You know me. I'm an early riser. But that doesn't mean that I dislike it. I just – I can't stay tuned in. And that can be said for a lot of sports. The only sport that I really sit there and watch. But that's why I love Red Zone because I don't have to stay glued to the same game the entire time. So I, like, I've like i never really like, – I'll sit down and watch a full baseball game, especially if it's the Angels. I'll sit back and I'll, I'll try to watch as much as possible. Yeah. But I was really interested because obviously we have these rule changes. And I, I yeah. really wanted to see yeah. what this is going to be like. And I have to tell you, after watching, what are we now, four days in or something like that, 
I love it. This is great. The pace of play, it is so much faster. Like these guys, like the pitch clock forcing these guys to get up there, and it is boom, boom, boom. There's more action with the stolen bases. I think baseball got this completely right, man. And I even think so. We, you know, there was a, a report written about you know the first opening weekend of Major League Baseball, first fifty games of the season. Average game time has been two hours and thirty nine minutes. That's average game time. That's down twenty five minutes from last year's nine inning average. With restrictions on the shift, league average on balls as play is up to three hundred one from two ninety, causing a two point increase in overall batting average. Restrictions on the number of pickoff attempts, stolen bases are up thirty seven percent. And 84% success rate, giving us the highest rate of steals since 1997. So I, I think a lot of people really got wrapped up in like, oh, you know, who cares about game time? Blah. No, what this has done, it's not about shortening the game for me. It is shortening the game while adding more action. Yes. There is so much more happening now in these baseball games. I don't know how you can watch from over the weekend just this first few days and not like it. It's. I think it's thrilling from what baseball, like the baseball that I've watched over the last few years. It's incredible. Most teams have played uh, going into today three games now uh, with a couple in the books that you know mm-hmm. uh, four or five. But seven teams, seven teams have scored twenty runs or more. Do the math. If your average game is three, the average is six runs or more per game. This Texas-Baltimore series, I'm ready to play the over. They're, they're starting up tonight. I'm ready to play the over in every single game. Total was 8.5 today. I looked at that total. I was like, wait a minute. Baltimore's uh, OPS is number one in the league. The Rangers, 29 runs against the Phils. They were at home. They're still at home. The Orioles are coming in. They're going to be looking to swing it. They scored all the runs. They're 1-2. and two. They're going to be smacking. I thought the series opener. So, no, I'm with you. I like the rule changes. I think it spe- sped things up, and I do like the high-scoring games, a lot more action. It may get me to sit in front of the – you know what? Angels, Dodgers, you and I, we're going to have a pizza and a beer. Okay. I'm down. All right. I don't know when they play, but yeah, I'm totally down. They will. Well, I know they yeah, will. I'm yeah. saying I don't know when it is. We're going to find it. I got to go to a uh, freeway series a couple of years. That was the first baseball game I took my wife to. She'd never been to a baseball game. So I took her to that Otani Game went to play at the plate. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Now, baseball's got it right, man. I really like these adjustments. Completely do. All right, we'll come back. Remember, coming up in about 12 minutes, coverage for the national championship game here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. So let's get into it. Willie was asking me, how does San Diego State beat UConn? My rebuttal is, why isn't the question, how does UConn beat San Diego State? Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, it's hard. Really hard. Willie told me to go check a tweet, so I'm going to go check a tweet really quick. Okay. You want her to... Angel Reese, yeah. get an NIL deal with Reese's. Yeah, she could like it could be a commercial, and someone like it could have like a fictional, like a cartoon character, like the Eminem or a rival candy of some kind, roll up, and she just does the can't see me, and she keeps popping in the Reese's pieces or a peanut butter cup. Or it's the perfect time for Reese's to implement a brand new Reese's peanut butter ring that she can then point to on her finger. Wow! By the way, I would buy it. Also, since we're on this topic, very quickly. Just want to make my statement known here that the best candy in the world is not just Reese's peanut butter cups. It is specifically these Reese's peanut butter eggs at Easter time. There is no debate. 
I'm glad you understand. There's no debate. I don't mind it, but I like score bars. The hell is that? You never had a score bar? What is that? Like, a, like a circus wafer thing? Is that no. from 1945? What is that? Easy Turbo. It's like chocolate-covered English toffee. Like 75? No. No. I like score bars. Like Boston baked beans, too? I do like Boston baked beans. Those are, those are pretty good. My grandma good. used to love those. Those are, those are pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Jordan almonds? How about those? Score, bar, score bars in Mountain Dew used to be the, the, the choice back in the day for uh, the munchies. Okay. All right. Way, uh, back, way back in the day. Don't get mad. I don't want to get Willie fired up. All <laughs> right. So what's going on tonight? What do you think? UConn, seven and a half point favorite over San Diego State. My best bet on the game is the over. Okay. I think moving both, with the market. For those who don't know, this opened like 129 and, a half. and yeah, it went right up to 132. 32 and a half, yeah. Uh, I, I just think that with two defensive squads, the, the, here's the thing. With Connecticut, they, yes, they're physical and everything, but their best, I mean, their best defense comes on offense in a sense because they, they're off and running. They're always on the move. They go on these scoring runs. San Diego State has to take advantage of their scoring runs in order to stay in the game. And when you have a team like UConn who really doesn't care much about you know, if a team wants to run and gun, they'll run with them because they know what they're capable of doing and they know that they're capable of getting the key stops. So I I lean toward the over. If I was go if you put a gun to my head and I had to take a team, my computer spreadsheet program says to play the underdog, but that UConn's gonna win this game by four. Well, you have a spreadsheet, huh? Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. I don't have a spreadsheet. And it went four and zero in the final four, by the way. Okay. So there you go. I like it. Yeah, I got San Diego State. Okay. Let's sit back and see if it gets to eight. If not, I'll just take seven and a half. But I think they're a team that's uniquely equipped to handle Sonogo and the size that UConn's got. When you can pull three guys who are in that six foot nine range and match what? up with them, let's and do it. And you saw UConn firsthand, so you know you were there. I walked by Hurley, and I was like, and you covered so you the Mountain West. So I mean, there's really no better no better analyst. All right, remember coming up next here on ESPN 1100. That is the pregame for. The national championship. You can hear all of it here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FN. We'll see you tomorrow here on Cofield and Company.